Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Kaching with Jane King podcast. This is podcast by parents for parents and it's all about money. Now today's podcast brought to you by Arc Athletics, a New York City-based fitness and athletic training business. For tips and videos on how to keep your young athletes healthy and injury-free during the summer sports season, you can go to arcathletics.com. So with me today, this is like a reunion. This is awesome. So so we've got Kim Mustin, who uh, joins us often on the podcast. Welcome, Kim. Thank you so much for having me, Jane, and it's so good to be back here, especially with our very special guest, fresh in from the heartland. Uh, yes, we're talking about Todd Bebba Horowitz, who was the very first podcast you were on, what, a couple of years ago. So great to have you here in person. It's great to be in New York. It's great to be fresh in from Chicago. I'm a little wilted from the <laughs> travels, but I'm here and it's great. it is great to be here and it's a great subject and I'm glad we're together. Yeah, well, we all feel strongly about this. So, And traveling is no fun, by the way. I mean, after I've been traveling all day, I'm just like, just give me the room and let me like have about three hours of total quiet. So thank you for coming. It's great to be here. So we all... Um, feel passionately about kids and money and education and financial literacy and making sure the next generation, I mean, frankly, is better at it than we are because we made a lot of mistakes. We're pretty bad. So, um, Todd, I know you do some things with the, kind of give us an update on what some of the projects are that you're working on. Well, I'm working, you know, I do a lot of work with the high schools. We're right now in 575 high schools right now that we give the program away so far, I'm still doing it. I'm still a philanthropist yeah. and, and giving it to them <laughs> because obviously I don't expect the schools to pay. I was looking for some sponsorship. And again, I'm not looking at it to be a profit center, but we teach kids basically from credit card, credit scores, all the way to advanced trading if the, if the class can go that far. Mm. We, we've got all the basics. You know, if it's highschoolinvesting.com, it's a complete curriculum and website that the, the teachers can go to and they can assign uh, programs and homework right through the website. And it's got, everything is laid out. In fact, my son, who just graduated college, was one who helped me lay it out to bring it down to a more of a high school level. And we teach them all about the markets and how the markets work and, you know, insurance and real estate and just things just to get them financially literate. Because as you can see, by the way, a lot of the things that happen in our world today, most are not very financial literate. So I think that's a very big, important thing. No, not at all. So these are high school, are all of the high schools in Illinois that you work with? I don't work with all of them. I work with, I actually have high schools in California, Illinois, uh, Minnesota, Canada, 
So we've, we've done a number of different shows and I talk about it a lot and trying to get, you know, I'll let anybody use it. I mean, again, I'm trying to educate the, the world because I'm so stressed at watching what happens today. You know, we look at the Federal Reserve and again, whether you like the Fed or not, you know, my opinion is I'm not a big fan because I don't like the fact that they continue to, you know, devalue the dollar. That to me becomes a problem. And I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing the cryptocurrency world becomes so big in the millennial space because they have a better understanding of that. It's, it's not something that they don't understand it because what's happened is we've really destroyed free markets by trying to manipulate currency versus, you know, Bitcoin or crypto, any of the cryptocurrencies. You can go right now and trade them. They're, they trade 24 hours a day, seven days a week with no interference. So again, I'm not saying that those are the next end all be all. I mean, but I'm certainly not in the camp of uh, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger where they're rat poison. I think they're real, as the old Seinfeld show. They're real and they're spectacular. They're real. They're going to be part of it. I mean, there's a lot of countries already using them as their reserve, as their own currency. So I think that's one of the problems that I want to educate because I think that when you work strictly on a theory, and that's where our Federal Reserve is, they work on a written theory, not on common sense. Jane, you're from a farming camp family. I guarantee you that your dad, if he got stuck out in the tractor in the middle of 5,000 acres somewhere, he'd forget how to get back mm -hmm. instead of going, well, the theory says that this is supposed to work, right? Yeah. And they don't, in my opinion, they just don't work with a lot of common sense. I think that's the message I want to teach the kids is learn how the markets actually function and then use some common sense to try to figure your way through. And I think that makes a lot more, makes them better. Yeah. On the Bitcoin thing, I will say I'm a little bit skeptical. I'll take the the contrarian view here, particularly for people who aren't as adept at understanding what Bitcoin is. I think people look at it and I mean, currency is a store of value, right? So what is Bitcoin? Um, the trading velocity is nowhere near online, most online payment systems. Uh, I love the blockchain. I love what the blockchain is doing um, to make more secure transfers and to cut down on the cost of transfers of, of payments and things like that. But one thing I do get a little bit nervous about is people that are just in this euphoria of Bitcoin and are all about trying to go out and like buy all these computers and put them in refrigerated rooms <laughs> and like mine it. And maybe they get a few, maybe they don't. And then the the value of it is is pretty mercurial. So just I think it's it, it's definitely something to watch. It is something that's real. Cryptocurrency is here to stay, but uh, you know it's one of those buyer beware things. I agree. I mean, again, listen, I'm I'm late to the crypto party. You know, when I had an employee that worked for me back in 2010 and 11, and he bought twenty dollars a week of Bitcoin when it was under a dollar. Okay. And he has it all still, I think. And he's still working for you? No. <laughs> yeah, he, he actually does. He does post my shows. But my point <laughs> is, is I think that you have to be extremely cautious. This is no different than the internet bubble, okay? This is something new. And I think it's going to be here. But there's going to be a lot of peaks and valleys. And I don't think anybody should take any more than, you know, let's say 2 or 3 or 5% of what you're willing to invest in general to put them in a cryptocurrency. I don't think you should try to get rich do the cryptocurrencies. I think that's what fuels the bubbles. Are we in for some tough times? I would think so. But I do also know that now today, you know, with Bloomberg now putting together the crypto index, mm -hmm. okay, that gives it re real because that brings now institutional traders into the market. I know a lot of family offices, which people don't know what family offices are. Those are uh, private offices that are trading big money for people. 
they've already been investing in in these things. And, and again, it's more the importance that you don't take too much money and try to get rich with these. And you take a small percentage of money that gives you an opportunity to make money versus saying, well, this is it. I'm going to put all my money in as many people did in the internet. And obviously pets.com and all these things went broke. So I'm in hundred percent agreeing with you, Kim. I think that you, and you have to be very careful here, but the blockchain technology is spectacular. Yeah, it's game and that's, changer. That's really. going to be the open ledger system is, is something that, yeah. that takes away the manipulation art of, of banks and other things. I did a, an investment conference last week and one of the topics was um, Bitcoin and just type cryptocurrencies. And the audience was kind of more used to, I think, what's the dividend that GE is paying and, you know, things like that. So they were like just blown away. And this one woman was like, I don't get it. Do I go to a store and I have a Bitcoin and I pay? And, you know, so, I mean, it's just hard to get your mind around. All we've ever seen is paper, money and coins. And to get the fact that it's all digital, but it can be, I mean, I can pay for something in Japan immediately with a cryptocurrency, whereas, you know, it takes a few days to wire or whatever. I mean, and some of these countries with crazy fluctuations like Venezuela, I mean, I could see how this could be a global currency someday. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that um, a lot of Bitcoin transactions, like you're seeing coffee shops that are taking it now. But I think also there have been a lot of people that like holding people ransom and things like that. And they're asking for payment in Bitcoin (sighs) and much more of that. And you really start to get like the feds involved from all of these countries clamping down on. We've already started to see that in some of the more mature markets. But uh, I think that kind of thing is, is really something, again, to watch and be super careful about. But it, it is more mainstream now. I, I was in a coffee shop recently that had this sign that said, you know, we accept Bitcoin. Yeah. And I agree you, with you. You could get like a 500 gazillion coffees for one Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> well, the problem with this uh, with Bitcoin is still the cost of transactions so high. But back to your point, Jane, on wiring money and moving money. You know, I have to wire money every couple of weeks and it's really annoying because I've got to go to the bank. Right, and there's fees, sign. all this stuff. Uh-huh. I like the fees are okay. I, I can live with the fees. If I didn't have to go, I could live with the fees. But I think Ripple, Ripple has really addressed that. Ripple is going to replace the SWIFT system. And you're going to be able to transfer your money within minutes. You know, so if you got to wire to your, if your broker takes it and you got to wire money to your broker's account, you can do it in minutes versus a day. You don't have to wait for it to all go through. And you don't have to wait for, you know, if you've ever done a wire, you, you make one little mistake and the wire doesn't get there. And then you got to go back and redo it again. So again, we're, let's put it this way. The cryptocurrency industry right now, as of today, is about $385 billion. That's like a Microsoft, mm-hmm. okay? It's a small company right now. It's got a lot to go. It's got a very bright future, and it's got a lot of people fighting against it. But if we look at the real facts, they're simple. Bloomberg puts out an index. That's a big step. The CBOE and the, CB, uh, the CME both have a, a yeah. futures product. The NASDAQ's talking about being a crypto the, exchange. The NASDAQ, uh, and you can bet. Who's going to be the next big crypto wallet? It's going to be Amazon. You watch. Oh, I'm sure. Well, Facebook's talking about having a cryptocurrency. That just came out Friday. Okay, so we um, have kind of built this whole podcast around kids and money. And, like, what what's your philosophy about, like, talking to kids? Like, how do you do that? How early do you do it? How do you kind of incorporate that into conversations with your kids? Kim? Yeah, I, I mean, I as early as my kids understood what money was or the, they wanted things, I started talking to them about money. Um, I think it's difficult for them to really understand it until 
they are probably around four, five, six or so. But from an early stage, walking through that horrible line at the grocery store where all the bubble gum and <laughs> like chocolates are, and they always were like, I want this, I want this, I want this. We started talking about money and the cost of things, and then they became interested in ways that they could get money. And so that's really, you know, sort of the income and expense side of things is when we really started talking about it. But I think it takes a while to really for them to really understand it. I have a daughter who's eight, and uh, she said something to me recently about, oh, if I buy this and I use this coupon, then I'll have like $2 more that I could do something else with. So that was a breakthrough moment, I felt like. (laughs) I think that's that's great. That's that's important. And I think you you have to start as young as you can. And I think it's more about teaching them not necessarily money right away, but giving up something of value for something else that they want that's more valuable to them. As we all know, they buy, they go through the line, they want this, and as soon as that's gone, they want the next thing. So you have to, I always thought that, you know, you try to teach them that you have to give up something to get something. And I kind of taught my kids, and even in the high schools, when I, if I, when I teach the class myself, but I taught them, it's kind of like an auction market. Like, what are you willing to pay for this? I want to sell it to you. If you want this, you got to do this. And then they come with a counter. So it was kind of like a trade and you discover what the right range is. But I think you have to get to kids as young as you can and learn to teach them how to save because saving is obviously the thing that we most of us don't do as we can hear by all the statistics out there and teach them how to invest. And, and even at a young age, you're investing in your piggy bank so that you can save up to buy something bigger when it gets there. Just all these little things that are done. And I think that at any age you can start when they have some comprehension. I mean, they don't really comprehend until they actually have to go out by themselves and you know, maybe they're out with some friends for at an ice skating rink or something and they want to buy something that have no money. So now they realize, well, geez, I have to have more money in my pocket. Yeah. Well, they Max, uh, my son, wanted a video game or like an addition to a video or something. I was like, you have to work. You have to find. And I happened to have a big couple of loads of clothes that needed to be folded. How <laughs> and so fortuitous. Like, yes. And so I was like, if you fold all those clothes, I'll buy you that like attachment or I don't remember what it was, piece of a video game thing. And so he folded them all and like just left them on the floor in the middle of the floor. And I was like, um, are you going to put them away? No, you didn't say put them away. You just said fold them. I was like, you little stinker. <laughs> you gotcha. So now I have to like, you know, you spell, spell out the everything. Job out. But, but the bigger picture is he realizes I don't just hand over cash. He's got to do something to earn it. Well, I think that's valuable for, for kids. I mean, I think we, we spoiled our kids. At this age, um, many parents, including me, I mean, I I was rough and I made them work for it, but I did spoil them as well. I mean, I gave them things they probably didn't deserve, but they did have to work for it. But I think that we have to teach them the value of money and what money can do for you. And, you know, you talk about the time value of money. You know, if I spend it today on a piece of candy, you know, that candy is gone. It goes right through you and it's gone. But if you take that same dollar or whatever and you put it in a bank account or you put it in a mutual fund, obviously obviously numbers are not right. But again, you put it somewhere that it has a chance to grow, then you can compound that money. And I think then they understand because let's face it, if all of us would have started at 20 years old or 16 years old or 17 years old and put away starting at, let's say, $25 a month and then growing up to as you started to work to two to $300 a month, by the time you're 45 or 50, you're, you, you don't probably don't have to work anymore. And that's the problem that we all make. And that's the, the, that instant gratification society. That's that by the month society that we live in. How much is it by the month? That's all I care about. And I think that's, that's the tragedy 
that we've taught because that's taught to us by our credit cards. That's taught to us by the the way that even the even the way banks operate. You know, the bailing out of the banks in two thousand eight. I mean, should they have really been bailed out? I mean, that's a story from the podcast. But that's those are all issues because that if you have to learn to take care of yourself and put your money away and work for that value later. I think that is exactly it. It's delayed gratification. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everything, I mean, my kids don't even know what commercials are because they watch, you know, Netflix or... You know, they're watching. I work in the TV industry. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, it's pretty sad for, for, but, but I think that it's so hard to teach delayed gratification when they've never had to work for anything or will listen to streaming music in the car. And then whenever I have the radio on, they're like, well, why is this commercial on? Like, what's this? Like, I want to hear this song. They just, they have been brought up in a world where they got what they want whenever they wanted it. And so it's really hard and you have to really stick to your guns on like this delayed gratification thing. I agree. And I mean, again, that's, you know, it's a very challenging society. You know, I sworn to my kids, I wasn't going to get them cell phones until they were like 16. Okay. Unfortunately, in the neighborhood that the kids grew up in, every other kid had them at like 11 or 12. And it didn't, I didn't care about that. And I wasn't trying to keep up with the Joneses because I really don't care. However, nobody calls the home phone anymore. So if you don't have a cell phone, you're out of the loop and you're out of the group text and you're out of everything. So you no you no longer have friends because they're all in this group thing. And I think that's I think that's one of the actually tragedies that we're suffering right now because we've really lost the art of communicating. And I think that comes back to, you know, learning how to be responsible, delayed gratification, all the things that make you learn how to save money forward. Because right now, you know, nobody has any desire because they can do everything they want. Right. Well, that's interesting you say that because just now, this year, Generation Y, I guess it's Gen Y, right, are graduating, or Gen Zs even. Gen Zs are graduating this year. And managers are like, we got to completely redo our training because the kids don't know how to talk to people. I mean, they're just used to everything on the phone and the computer, and they're not used to how to just to sit down and, and really have a conversation with somebody. No, I agree. I, that's that's the problem. I mean, that is really a problem. I think that, you know, you go, you can't get anything done. It, you know, you go to the bank, it's all, it's, it, it, it's all, you know, every you call on, it's, uh, you know, one, press this, press this, press this. You can't get anybody, you can't get anybody done. So it's, it, again, we, but I think it back, goes back to, learning how to delay gratification, but also learning how to reward it so you get rewarded for the delayed gratification. It's like, do you want this candy bar now? 
or I will give you something else three weeks from now. Well, something, you know, some kind of, you have to turn it into a game, especially with young kids, because, you know, mentally they're not really figured what to do. So I think that's a big thing. And uh, that was with Kim talked about that, you know, that instant gratification mm-hmm. stuff. I remember, so I worked um, at a local TV station on like Saturdays and Sundays before I had kids and it was a Tribune owned station. And so instead of taking any pay, I just had to all go into Tribune stock. And then um, I actually got it out and we used some of it to buy our apartment but it was right before the financial crisis because my first son was born in 2007. And um, I was like, gosh, I might as well just bought lipstick the whole time. So it's kind of hard, especially kids this age who saw that happen, to go, why should I even put money away? You know, some, it's going to get lost in the stock market. I mean, it's really tough for them. Do we so, have time to address that? Yes. Okay. There's a very important thing about putting the money away. Now, markets themselves, and, and I'm a trader and I'm an investor, markets themselves in the history of the markets, go up 8% year over year. So if you can remember that, that the markets are going to compound, and if you're going to invest, now again, we're not gambling, we're not playing big dollars on cryptocurrencies, we're not trying to buy options and make, if this is purely for investing. If you're investing and you're putting money in good, solid companies and you're just monitoring them, not trading, but making sure they stay, remain solid stick and solvent. Stick to the plan. Yeah. Stick yes. to the plan is right. Well, look where you'd, where you'd be today. Well, if 8% you had year panicked, over year. Right. If you would have left everything alone. You, but when you invest, and this is the most important part of this, you invest only money that you're not going to need tomorrow. You can't invest the car payment, the mortgage, the candy bar, whatever it is, if you're going to need something tomorrow, then you hold a little bit back. But whatever you can put in, you let it sit there and it compounds at 8% approximately year over year, which means it doubles about every eight years and you keep throwing it in and throwing it in. And before you know it, it's a lot of money. And that's the important thing about all of this. Yeah. It's so true. Can. No, I mean, it's so true. The, I, the other thing that drives me crazy is when people try to time the market mm-hmm. because so, so uh, I mean, how many hours a day, Baba, do you look at markets Well, uh, and, and companies? And you're a trader, so this is not a fair question. That's not a fair question. I not trade question, all day but, long. But, but a, look- as in my investment portfolio, I'll put it this way real quickly. I know we're running short on time. But in 2008, my wife came into my office crying, looking at our statement. And I go, what are you bothering me for? We're hedged and I don't care. I said, the markets go up year over year. That's it. Just forget about it and put it back in the envelope. And don't open them anymore. Because my investment portfolio, I don't ever look at. I haven't looked. I seriously have not looked at a statement in years. Okay. I know if there's a problem, I know what's going on. So if I needed to look, I would. But at the end of the day, you don't want to look at the market. That's one of the problems with all this technology. Everybody's looking at their 401k like you're going to sell it tomorrow and you can't sell it anyways. I mean, what are you going to take your, take the penalty on an IRA for selling out early? So I think you just have to, if you're investing, quit looking at it. It's going to go up 8% year over year. You should actually, I think everybody should look at their statement either they come monthly or quarterly, just to make sure that one of your stocks doesn't turn into General Electric, where it became a bad company all of a sudden. Or, you know, you we call it leaking oil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, we talked about investing, but diversifying is so important. I mean, you don't know when you're in a GE or a Enron or something like that. So having things uh, across a multitude of different investment instruments is always a good idea. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. And whether it's, you know, like mutual funds, index products, ETFs, whatever, um, those are diversified. And there's somebody that that's their job to look at that stuff all day long. You have to make sure that you do your due diligence and make and put it in the right place. But if you are somebody that's buying one stock, 
you better be putting in a lot of time and energy to looking at that one stock to make sure that it's always going to be right. Like Equifax, for example. Yeah. You know, you have, it was a great company for a long time until they had a security breach. And then all of a sudden, like the forward um, earnings potential of it, that company was, was, you know, at question. And so you have to sort of look at that. And if you're not willing to put in the time to do the due diligence on your securities every day, because you got a day job um, that's not that, <laughs> then you know you you need to be really careful and make sure that you're diversified across you know many different types of instruments, both stocks and bonds, and maybe even some alternatives if that's appropriate. I think that's 100 percent correct. And I just want to tell one quick story because this is this is right on point. Larry Page, who was the CEO of Google, a number of years ago, he sold a big portion of his Google stock. And everybody panicked and they said, well, why is he selling? There's a problem with the company. And he came out public and he said, look, he said, it's 80% of my net worth. If something should happen, I cannot afford to take that chance. So what he's saying is that nobody should have more than, you know, one stock should never represent really more than 10 or 15% of your portfolio. Because if you go back to 2011, Apple went from 700 to 350. Yes, it came back. But would you have the gumption to hold it all the way back? Oh, yeah. That's you never they, know where it's going to go. Fear it's and terrifying. Goes. Yeah. <laughs> so my simple point is, is that you should have nothing should overwhelm your portfolio so that you don't have to look at it moment by moment. As Kim said, you must do your due diligence. You must make sure that you're investing with people that have your best interests in heart, not their commissions at heart. There's a lot of things to do. But again, if you keep a well-balanced portfolio and you do it the right way and you look at it once a month or once a quarter, whenever your statement comes, you can make the adjustments you need, and that would keep your mind at ease, and it'd be, you'd be a lot happier, I guarantee all of you. Yeah. And you know what? I always try to bring this back to young people because I think a lot of young people are even scared to even take that first step, even that $25. And so back to financial education, it would really be good if the schools would kind of start to teach them a little bit how stock markets work and how to build a portfolio and things like that. So if we can get so, rid of Common Core, we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so remind us, Baba, for schools that might be listening, how do they find your um, fantastic program and get it into their schools? They can go to highschoolinvesting.com and they can email Joe Navickus, who is my partner in this. He is actually a high school teacher in finance at Deerfield High School in Illinois. Um, but you can also email, email me directly at bubbatrading.com, but certainly it's free for the school. We want you to try it. We, we are, my goal is before I go is to coach young people that they have an understanding how markets really work. So we, we get away from the easy life and learn how to, they really work and, and how to understand the value of money and how it works within the system without manipulation throughout other sources and how we actually make it all work. And that would be, that's my whole lot in life. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you so much, Todd, for coming. It is great to have you yeah, here in it's person. It's great to be here. I'm I love you having, having you here. And Kim, thank you as always for being here. It's so, so great you. to be back. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. And thank you as well for listening in the Kaching with Jane King podcast brought to you by Arc Athletics, a New York City-based fitness and athletic training business. So for tips and videos on how to keep your young athletes safe and injury-free over the summer, you can go to arcathletics.com. We always love to hear your comments and suggestions. So you can send those to Kids Kaching, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all the socials. Have a great day.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 